Okay, so on this next episode, we have the Scholar Homie. So first off, thank you, Oscar, for joining me on this next next episode of the Scholar Homies podcast. The game is to be told, not sold, conversations with the soul. So I'm here with Oscar Duran, and we know each other from San Diego State University, um, where we have been in some, some research spaces. We've worked together um, on the Simias research team, and then we've done a lot of collaborations together um, on our own, which we call ourselves the Scholar Homies. <laughs> Um, and so I, that can lead into my first question. So, of course, thank you for being here. And what what does a scholar homie mean to you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, this is really cool. So I appreciate you inviting me. Um, scholar homie. So for me, it's a definition of an academic, uh, someone who who's involved in in our case here, education, um, but it also includes the friendship piece, I think, um, which goes beyond the mentorship. So the homie component, right, of somebody who provides that guidance, that mentorship, that support, uh, and vice versa, right? So in our group, um, the being a scholar homies, that's how I see you and, and Joe Lewis specifically, right? Um, um, especially, you know, the fact that, that you all brought me on board on a lot of your your projects, right? Uh, Joe's about to be a doctor, you're a doctora, and you know I, I just finished my my master's last year, but hopefully one day I'll also pursue a doctorate. Uh, a scholar homie is is somebody that that is there to provide that inspiration and to help um, provide a, a pathway for those coming behind them, and and that's what I try to do as well with with the mentees that I've encountered throughout the time. But that's the main definition for me of a scholar homie. Thank you. I appreciate that insight. Um, how about the game is to be told and not sold? Because that's a flip of you know Snoop Dogg's album, right? Where he suggested the game is to be sold, not told. And I'm flipping it intentionally, but what does that mean to you? The game is to be told, not sold. It really means um, when I think of it, and it is not the first time I think of it. I, I've thought of it before, and you know, because I have you know listened to some of the previous ones of of people that you've had and and like I said Joe Lou has been the first one uh, but to me uh, it's about actually putting in the work to help our communities and our people our students and when I say putting in the work I mean yes like the scholarly aspect is extremely important the research right the the publishing the presenting at conferences the president all of these aspects that are part of our world or our professional world but beyond that like actually being able to apply all of that right like to be able to to whether that be as a, as a professor in my case as a, as a counselor at a community college every day that I go in there uh, I try to 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 implement everything that I've learned through our research and through um, all the work that we've done together as a group and individually myself as well and to me, that, that's what it means, right? That it goes beyond the, the academic, the, the beyond the scholar, but into the human being as well, like being able to actually provide opportunities, support, spaces to our communities to actually uplift, uplift them and uplift each other in the process. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit about you know what we do in theory, but really applying it in practice, right? And then how do you yes. measure that? Like, 
something that made me come up like humanizing these experiences like right. a lot of the work that we do um so it's you myself Joe Luis Hernandez and then Dr. Ana Canitores we've had I think two papers out and what I think works really well with uh, with our like research little hub that we have is that we both have the scholarship side and the practitioner side right and so yeah. I'm always thinking in these high I feel like I'm in these high level theories but I'm like but does it work like for you on mm -hmm. the ground um for you mm -hmm. talking to the students every day is it is it going to work? Because if not, we can theorize all day. But if, if it doesn't work right. in practice, then what's the point, you know? Right, right. No, and that's a that's a really, really good point. And yeah, how to quantify that? That's a that's difficult. I don't know if I have the answer for that, but for sure it's like I'll give you an example, like uh, some of the work that, that we've been doing, like the the streetwise epistemology, right? Like that that component of of applying that community cultural wealth and bringing it into the experiences of students that have been formerly incarcerated or are system impacted. As a counselor at a community college, I specifically work for a program that supports students that have been incarcerated, right? So every day that I'm in that office with working with the students, that streetways epistemology is always in the back of my head and I'm always bringing it forward in our conversations, right? I don't theorize it with the student because I don't think the student probably wants to know about theory, not at this moment, maybe in the future, but I try to exemplify what we try to describe in that theory when we came up with it, right? By uh, approaching my interaction with the students through an asset-based perspective, right? Anti-deficit as we always try to, to, to discuss. So that to me, I, I'm, not, I'm not quantifying it. Like I, I, never, I don't think like, oh, how much of it am I applying? How much am I not? I just do it, right? Like, it's just like, I just, I just want to be that person for the student. And the way that the student responds, it's kind of my measurement of, okay, did that quote unquote theory apply correctly or not? Because luckily, you know, um, most of my interactions with the students are, are positive, right? A, a high percentage of them where the student just is grateful to have somebody actually just listen to their issues, even if, even if the solution wasn't provided at the spot, just the fact that somebody cared enough to listen to the issues and brainstorm ideas together and give options, that to me already is a success because the student will come back or the student will follow up. That's been my experience. And that's just my experience as a counselor <clears throat> at the community college. But that's how I approach the work that we do, the research, like when we get together and we, we try to like, you know, theorize um, all, of, all of this uh, academic jargon sometimes, you know, in, in a sense and try to uh, put it into the practice that we're just talking about now. Now, am I doing it correctly or not? I don't know. <laughs> That's just the way that I approach the work, right? I just, at the end of the day, I think it's just about being genuine and authentic and caring. If you can bring those components forward and, and really have that willingness to, to apply whatever it is that you're reading, whatever it is that you're writing or learning um, into the student's life. I think that's the, that's the way that, to approach it. You, uh, just a few days ago, I was at, um, at Mount San Antonio College and the Rising Scholars Program had a spread, right? So right now mm -hmm. it's, yeah. um, you know, it's holiday season. There's a lot of potlucks going around. And yeah. I was really, I was really happy to be in that space at that moment because what that means for this particular student population to see a spread on their college, their community college campus, I thought was like, this is literally 
like sense of belonging in action, right? This, mm -hmm. this is how you, you make students from, that are formerly incarcerated or carceral system impact feel like they belong. And more yeah. so like other than just the spread um, happening was the music, right? Like you had mm -hmm. all these playing and, and then I was telling the story at a conference that I attended shortly after. And they said, what kind of oldies? Like, you know, like songs from the 90s. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm talking about like Art LeBeau, like yeah. cruising oldies, like oldies again, that if only if you grew up from like particular neighborhoods or, mm -hmm. if, you know, that you would probably be associated with and know, like, I don't know that people know this about me, but I listen to oldies like all the time. Like Sundays mm -hmm. are for oldies to this day. Like I will nice. spend three hours listening to oldies, right? Um, because nice. I used as a like community college student, I would do my homework and listen to oldies in the background. And that just never changed. Like I, I just, I continue that. So it was just really impactful to see, to be on a community college campus, to see this spread happening and to have the music there. And the students really resonated. They were singing, they were dancing. And I, I honestly wish I had that, <laughs> you know, when yeah. I was a community college student, I, I wish I had that community, that community mm -hmm. there. So yeah. um, my next question for you is, how important is that peer-to-peer -peer, um, connection, you know, to have as we navigate these academic spaces? It's extremely important. It's a, to me, it's a priority, right? Because I feel that once again, I'm speaking from my experience, uh, those peer-to-peer -peer connections are pretty much what kept me going like throughout these past few years. Um, I mean, I started my journey in academia at the community college myself right after high school. And uh, well, it was a, a non-traditional journey, right? I, I was there for about a year and a half. I, I was put on academic probation. I had to drop out. I came back two years later and, um, managed to transfer to SDSU. Um, after that, went on to get my master's. But it, all in all, it was like a little over a decade of, of this journey. And I don't think I would have made it to where I am today if it wasn't for that peer-to-peer -peer connection, for, for that support for those, those people within the field and also outside is mainly my family more than anything. But, um, but within the field, yeah, like um, the scholar homies are a component of it. Um, my my biggest mentor to this day i always say it uh, she's like my like a guardian angel for me was dr v you know dr v bringing me into her research team at sdsu my first semester and i don't i don't think many people know this but that first semester when i transferred to san diego state from palomar i was about to drop out again i was about to leave sdsu and it was because i went into dr v's office that day i was actually going in just to say thank you and goodbye but uh we had a really deep conversation for close to an hour and and that's that's kind of why I stayed the reason why I stayed and <laughs> I mean three years later I graduated with my bachelor's and I was off to a master's program but but yeah those connections I mean that's why I say to me it's a priority because it's 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 a big component of what has kept me going and what has me where I am today. I think that um it's those moments those like small but powerful moments of appreciation that um that go kind of like maybe unnoticed right so for those that don't know where, where um dr marisa vasquez is, is a femme for to both of us right like um yeah, she's yeah. she's helped navigate help me navigate life and, and academia for sure um and that kind of leads into like the next question that has like how important is mentorship femtorship in academia right um mm -hmm. 
So I guess I'll ask you, I'll, I'll let you answer that. And then I had a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, that to me, there's, there hasn't been many, many, many like mentors that I can really like, there's a couple people that I can point out, including Dr. V and like I said, the scholar homies, but the few mentors or mentors that I've had in my life have made a huge impact, a huge difference. Like every single one of them in one way or another, some aspect of my either personal life or professional career. And um, that's why to me, it's, it's super important. And, and I try to, to do the same now that I'm a professional in the field. Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of, um, well, I do it every day in my job as a community college counselor, right, with community college uh, students. But there's also been a lot of students that have reached out that, for example, that are doing their undergrad and they're applying to the counseling program that I did, right, like uh, in Long Beach. So there's been a lot of students that I've talked to over the phone, the Zoom, even if like, I don't know who they are, they, they find me on LinkedIn or, or they're here and they reach out and like, hey, you know, you have like 30 minutes, do you have, can we talk? And I remember being in their shoes, right, and, and doing the same. So I was like, yeah, of course, you know. And, and I always make the space and the time, because I can I can see that I can see myself in their shoes a few years ago, right. And and hopefully one day, you know, they'll do the same for someone else. And it's just that that cycle of uh, of lifting as we climb, as Doctor V says, right. So mentorship to me that's also is also very important because of that. Definitely, and I also think like that's un almost unmeasurable too, right? Like. There could yeah. be some person that you don't respond to. And like you said, mm -hmm. you never know. Maybe they don't pursue, right? Because they they mm -hmm. took that as, you know, not being validated, you know, right. um, a simple right. like non-response, unfortunately, goes could go the other way. Um, mm -hmm. So you heard the first episode with Joe Lewis. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, towards the end of that episode, I got a little emotional and mm -hmm. I received a comment. And so I'm going to I want to read the comment to you. And then I want to talk a little bit about that. So mm -hmm. the comments said, honestly, I loved that you got emotional at the end of the episode. I feel like that emotion is reflective of how this academic life job and the family community that we have built within it means to us. This is all really um, a, a labor of love and a product of love. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to discuss like you and I have been in, in these shared spaces several of times and mm -hmm. almost normalizing, right? Like the love that we can have for each other. And yeah. especially like to, for Dr. V, right? And um, yeah. uh, tell me what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, that, that touched my heart as well too when I listened to it. And now that we're discussing this, it's not often that I like have time to kind of sit with my thoughts and, 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 rem and reminisce on some of these experiences, right? Uh, and I appreciate it. I really appreciate that space that you're providing here. And when I discuss, that I went to Dr. V's office that day to kind of say goodbye and thank you. I cried. I broke down and I cried in her office, like to be 100% honest. Um, it was hard. I was going through a lot at that time. Um, my younger brother, um, I had just transferred, right? So I was happy about that. But around the same exact time, my brother had been incarcerated, right? And I've always felt guilty um, for some of the actions that, um, especially by my middle brother that I'm referring to here, that, that, that he's um, done in his life because I feel like a lot of that he, he probably learned from me. Um, you know, I'm the oldest of, of three. Um, 
I'm six years older than him. Um, so, so yeah, I was, I had that like guilt and that weight. I was like, how am I here at SDSU celebrating this awesome accomplishment? But yet my brother, who's a part of me, part of my heart is under like complete opposite conditions, right? It was, it was a very uh, difficult moment at that time. And that's why I was in that predicament. And the fact that, you know, Dr. B listened to me and there were a lot, there were some other personal issues <laughs> happening and I don't wanna, you know, go into detail for everything, but but Dr. V listened and and I I I just felt so comfortable like in that space with her that uh, it allowed me to cry because I don't cry in front of like many people, I think maybe just my my mom, maybe. Um, and that's a whole other conversation too. <laughs> you know, it's a, another topic when it comes to expressing emotions and feelings. But, but that's why I think it's important. That's why I think it's really important because that that being able to release to release that that I had inside of me for like days, for weeks, it kind of cleared my vision. Right? It, it cleared my vision afterwards. I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I can do this. Like, it's a lot of pain. But I need to use this as 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 strength, as as energy, and, and that's that's what it come it turned into. And so yes, uh, being able to 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 be vulnerable is, uh, I think, is something that that needs to happen more often among among us in the space outside of the space. Um, but for one reason or another, sometimes uh, it doesn't. I think um, I just came back from from a conference and I've been having this discussion, you know, with people and it's I think the takeaway that I, I kind of am going with is, you know, normalizing our expressions, right? Normalizing, giving each other our flowers when we can, right? Like, why do we wait until death or why do we wait until it's too late to do so? Right. But more so like in our space that we're in, like in academia or in higher ed, like these institutions don't love us back, right? Mm -hmm. These institutions um, are not the reason why we stay. It's the people, it's the the students, like the interactions that you have. Um, I mean, in your situation, like you know, Dr. V gave you, you know, her time. She gave you some words, and that was more than enough for you to stay, right, and to continue on. And sometimes I don't, I don't know that people even outside of academia realize, or people who you know how important it is to have community, right? And, or to build and create community. Um, yeah. What do you think for somebody who maybe doesn't have a scholar homies network or they're, you know, who, mm -hmm. like maybe who's someone who's kind of newer in academia or in higher ed, like what kind of advice for you, for them would you have on finding, developing or getting in touch with um, some sort of community? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard. It's definitely difficult because there's not many genuine people, um, unfortunately, inside yeah. and outside, you know, of this field. Um, or it's hard. It's hard to to decipher who who is real and who's not. I mean, um, but first and foremost, what I would say is, you gotta have a, a purpose first, like uh, within ourselves, right? Like the purpose of, of why we are pursuing. Uh, academia or higher education or education whatever our, our path is what is that purpose right I think we have to find that strength from within that drive from within and and knock on doors I mean it really is about stepping outside of your comfort zone in many ways I, I really had to like 
reshape my mentality when I started uh, or when I came back to college because before uh, it was hard for me to to ask questions or to to ask for help it was just something that I don't know I just I I, I couldn't find it in me I don't know why I felt like it was going to be looked down upon or something so it was a matter of, of, of breaking that barrier for myself and and actually reaching out and you know there's going to be some rejections but within those rejections, there's also gonna be some, some people that actually will listen or, or will try to help. And, and that's how you start, right? Like being able to be comfortable, being uncomfortable. I know it sounds cliche, but, but in reality, that's what it is. You know, like just being able to ask the question, reach out for help when you need it, because this journey cannot be done alone. It's something that it's, it's, it's a heavy, heavy load that I wouldn't recommend anybody try to, try to, try to do it alone. Um, I know I wouldn't have been able to. Uh, first and foremost, for me, it was my, my family, right? My parents, my my brothers. You know, like I said, my, I always say my parents are my inspiration, and my brothers are my motivation. And that's what I always like. How I go into into what I do every day in life. So that was my purpose. That was my drive. And then, luckily, I was fortunate enough to find people like yourself, like Joe Lewis, like Dr. V, and a lot of other people throughout the journey where I was able to build community, right? And then after that, it's just, you know, reciprocate that love. Like when people, you know, extend their hand out, like don't betray people, don't don't do anything that will, people will say in academia or in higher, like don't burn your bridges, right? Like, well, it's just, just, just reciprocate that love, you know, like if people do something for you and you're, if you, and it's in your capacity to do something for them when the time comes, if they, if they reach out, um, do it if possible right like make sure or pay it forward even better like if there's other people coming up like i said earlier pay it forward so and i think that is just when people see who you are uh not just as an academic as a professional as a scholar <clears throat> more than anything as a human being then it just becomes this like cycle and and, and you attract good things in life um, and good people yeah. I think something that you touched on was like genuine people, right? And that's, mm -hmm. I don't know, the, the assumption is that like we're all in, in these academic or higher ed spaces and like everyone is, you know, mm. is genuine, right? Or mm -hmm. or whatnot. And right. I, thought, I thought that was interesting that you mentioned that because it's true, right? Like, although we are in these spaces, it's still like any other field. It's still like, the it is the real world. Um, not everybody yeah. is, <clears throat> has that characteristic of them, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What are some ways that you've kind of weeded out these ungenuine people? And then, because I think that's important, right? For somebody who's getting into the space and maybe not realize that, um, are they being taken advantage of? Are they, you know, maybe there's ill intentions behind it and they didn't even know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And, and you know what, I'm kind of learning as we go right now, um, I'm fairly new to, you know, this is my first year as a, as a counselor, right? Um, I've been a student for the past, like I said, almost like a little over a decade, right? And, and I've been a, a graduate assistant, a student worker. I've had, luckily I've been very fortunate and privileged to have um, a lot of experiences as an, as an undergraduate that sometimes not even graduate students, you know, have until later down the road, like presenting at conferences and being part of like fellowships and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I've had some experience in that, but when it comes to the professional field, this is my first year as an actual professional. And yeah, I've been, I've been noticing, and this was a conversation that we had a while back where uh, 
we mentioned that we were kind of like um, trained or or or, or kind of like thought about like love right in the academy. Mm-hmm. I mean, semilla is pretty much stands for like you know, uh, loving ourselves in the in the academy, right? I can't remember the whole acronym right now, but it's about that, right? It's about um, scholarship through love. I know, I know, it's it's, it's gonna, it, it gives. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up. Let me yes. see. Okay, so Semilla's yeah. research team. It's scholarship equity and mentorship via intellectual love and leadership in the academy for success. Okay, there, hundred yeah. percent. So, so that that's kind of like our school, right? That how we were kind of like brought into being professionals right. and students. But uh, that's a very small group of people, right? Like I, now that I'm in the field outside, not many people apply that approach. And I'm finding that out myself now, right? So um, I just, and there's so many other nuances that go into it, being a new professional, being an adjunct counselor, not, not having a full-time um, position. There's so many other factors to navigate within this component, but um, I just observe. That's what I do more than anything. I observe, I listen. Uh, I'm just kind of like in the background, you know, people don't think much of me sometimes. And that's okay. That, that's perfectly fine with me. Like, I, I love to navigate my space like that because eventually, whenever the time comes for me to either complete a task or lead a project or whatever, I know which people I can reach out to or rely on just because of what I've observed and how they navigate themselves with others, mm-hmm. uh, especially like... Um, with administration and how they how they interact with uh, with other peers or, or with higher ups so i that's how i do it i just like to observe and i listen and and i learn i learn and i just um like i said i, I keep my my focus to me is my students that i work with my, my program uh that i support uh and and if, it, if somebody wants to be part of it, if somebody wants to uh, support, then of course the doors are open. If they don't, for whatever reason, then that's okay. You know, like it's not going to be. I, I luckily I'm very privileged, and and I'm I'm very um, lucky that I have already. I think a solid network of people that I consider like family within the field. So, uh, that's also how I how I navigate that, you know, I always ask for advice for people that have been in the field longer and I listen to them. And uh, like I said, uh, I just try to observe. I, I agree. Now I, I recall that conversation. It wasn't too, too long ago, but you're yeah. right. Like we were socialized and we were trained in such a different way um, and such a way to like care for each other, to uplift each other, to kind of like not leave one behind. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. there, there are times where, um, I'm on the conference scene and you're like, oh, you know, I don't know what I can contribute. I'm like, this is how you can contribute. Like we're going to, we're putting you on intentionally because I know you're going to be a doc student someday and you're already going to have this on your CV, right? Like I'm kind of like, without maybe you knowing or not, I'm putting you on in the next couple of years, just so you have it there. Right. And that's, that's because I know that's what Dr. V did for me. That's what, you know, the SEAL team did for me. Right. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. know that I would need this later on. It was just like, they knew, they kind of, they had the vision and they're like, this is what you're going to need. And, you know, just follow us type of thing. And so that's what I'm doing reciprocated, but professionally, again, like we're, we're both in new professional spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is, 
this is funny because last year it was like you know the my honeymoon phase they were calling me Mija mm -hmm. how are you mm -hmm. doing checking in with you <laughs> yeah. and then when that person goes from calling you Mija to like stabbing you in the back you're like oh okay mm -hmm. that's what it is <laughs> that's yeah. what it is okay got it yeah. like I see you now um very very interesting and so but again it's jarring when it first happens to you because that's not how we were like raised so to speak right we weren't right and yes. I think we were so lucky to have been socialized in a, such a different and caring matter because I like you said when people reach out to you you don't know how they find you but they they ask you for mm -hmm. things or you know like mm -hmm. advice or whatnot I get the same I get the same and from mainly like honestly all students like undergrad and graduate level students so they reach out to me and then when I hear about the programs that they're in they have no community. Like they don't even have a person of color in their department um, of like, they don't have a Latina woman in their department. And I always think like, gosh, we were so lucky to be in a, a different type of space that allowed us to kind of cultivate that, right? Um, before yeah. we were sent off into the world. Because <laughs> imagine yes. it being differently, right? Where you didn't have yeah. that at all. And then you don't even know it, you know? Um, yeah. Thinking so last... My, the, the episode before you is going to be um, Alejandro and we, we talked a lot about conferencing and like last year we were all together at ASH in Puerto Rico and mm -hmm. you and I have conference got in multiple spaces together but um, mm -hmm. I think about even that space right like being able to conference together and network with each other um, and just kind of have a, a group of people that you feel comfortable with so mm -hmm. you know if there's a scholar that you don't know or um, a an institution that you're trying to get to know better pretty much there's somebody else in that circle that knows and can make the introduction for you right like you yeah. you don't have to go at it alone um mm -hmm. and so it's for I guess I don't know like not, not even answering my own question but I guess I guess that's what the scholar homies means to me right like it means yeah. being able to do that for for somebody else yeah. like um you know I'm set right now but like oh you want you know you're eyeing this institution for your doc mm -hmm. say say mm -hmm. no more I'm going to go and help you, you know, make that introduction or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you also mentioned something that, that um, we kind of, I didn't want to gloss over, but I think it's so important to, to highlight, but you, you talked a little bit about your brothers being mm -hmm. um, formerly incarcerated, your system impacted, mm -hmm. and there's this survivor's guilt that I don't think we talk about um, pretty much at all. Right. And in being with other kind of like other professionals, other scholars, other students, they talk about something similar that they have family members that are incarcerated, but then how do they make sense of it, right? And um, and I think sometimes we're, we lead into this work be from those experience experiences, but it's okay that we're not targeting our family, right? I think the point is that we're targeting a community and then we realize that mass incarceration is much larger than our family. Um, and I think this is something that you definitely recognize. Would you, could you um, tell me your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, um, the reason, the main reason why I really loved uh, working, first and foremost, it was at Rio Hondo College uh, with uh, the student equity team there with Ceci Rocha and Joe Lewis, he brought me on board. Uh, it was the RISE program out there, right? Which was kind of like the RISE and Scholars Network here in California when it was barely starting. And um, 
when I when I heard Joe Lewis's story, uh, uh, I met Joe Lewis at the Western Regional Conference in, in NASPA 2017. But I, yeah, we all yeah, met at the well, we yeah. I think we you we and you probably already knew each other, but we met Joe at the same conference. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I knew it was funny because I, I knew who you were because since I was part of the ASIC Research Fellowship Program, right, mm -hmm. um, with Dr. V, and then you were part of the doc students, right, like the the, the, the doc students that um that we had to, to um, interact and learn from, right? So I remember, but it was there that I kind of connected more and I found out more about the work that you're doing and Joe Lewis. And it was interesting because I was listening to both of you say how it was the first time that you um, saw that topic being brought into a, a conference, like in this space, it was the same for me. So when I read that and I was like, I was like, this could help my brother, right? Like I was thinking like, this could be something that I could help use to help my brother. And I connected with Joel and we talked and I followed up with him. And then he was a big reason why I ended up going to Long Beach for the counseling program over there. He kind of recruited me out there. And then he just kind of like brought me along. And I'm really grateful because he brought me onto Rio Hondo and to help with the Rice program that he had started as a graduate student himself there. Um, and it was to work with formerly incarcerated students. And that's when I realized, yes, I came into this to help my brother, but it goes beyond like my family, right? Because Yes, it's a huge, huge issue that we have in this country. And that's that's why I got involved. And that's why I love the work that I do to this day. You know, I continued and I'm still part of that network. And now, now at a different community college doing the same work, the program is a lot smaller, but you know, we're hoping to make it expanded as well. And and every time I work with, with students that, that have these experiences, to me, it's like I'm working with my brother. You know, it's like if I'm helping him out and, and I do it with a lot of love. And, and with my brother, it's funny because he he's not in school, right? Like he now he, he's, he's out, he, he's now, he's working. He's, he works in construction. He's doing a lot better, which I'm really happy. But then I always tell him, you know what? Like you don't have to go to school to, to, to be someone in life, right? Like if you have a passion, if you have a drive, whatever it is, just, just nurture it and, and, and grow from there. Like, you know, that that's how you, so that's how I still approach him in that sense. If he ever wants, if he ever tells me like, hey, I want to go to community college, which we've had type of these, these conversations here and there, I'll definitely be the first one to like, you know, bring him on board. But uh, but I'm letting him kind of grow and learn on on his own his own timeline, you know. But yeah, that that's that's how I how I see how my my personal family experience with seeing my brother being dragged away by the cops, then coming into my parents' house, yelling at them, disrespecting us treating my brother like if he was a fucking animal and I'm sorry for my language, but just remembering, right? Like that was anger. That was all anger that I had and, and, and pain. And it hurts a lot. I mean, seeing your, my dad, I've never really seen my dad cry except that, that time, right? When my brother was incarcerated and my dad, I consider him a very strong person. So seeing him cry broke me. And, and the worst thing that could happen to anybody is to see your parents in pain. Um, so, so yeah, uh, all of those experiences outside of academia, people don't know them, right? People don't don't see them. But to me, they're like a huge component of why I do what I do professionally um, in this field. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's a lot of like humanizing these stories too, right? And humanizing, um, like this is real. The numbers that we see with mass incarceration if those numbers like who's behind those numbers right like there's real people there's real families there's so many stories like 
you sharing that story reminded me of um, my one of my tios who unfortunately since passed away. Um, he passed away during COVID. But I remember when they came looking for him one time, my grandma was going out the back door to throw away the trash and there there were already like agents surrounding their home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know he lived with my grandmother and so when she opened the door she basically had like a gun you know was fit you know pointed at her right because they thought it was my deal trying to get away and yeah. that's so traumatizing and people don't know like these stories that really happen in our communities and why we're so tied to this work right um yeah. and so I thank you for sharing that because that's just one reason why I'm I'm in the I'm in I'm in I'm doing this work right is my because yeah. of my deal, um, but yeah. some of the other reasons it's like, does that mean that they you know went to college? No, not necessarily, and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that may have been like our initial drive, but um, the fire that keeps going is is much larger than 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 just us, um, yeah. and so I think you know you you understand that and so I wanted to get your perspective on that so thank you for sharing um is there anything that you would like those that are listening to know about the student population that they may not otherwise know That everybody deserves a, a second chance. You know, everybody deserves to have an opportunity at creating the life that they dream of, right? Um, I mean, I, I, I still, I'm still learning a lot along the way. I am by no means. I never consider myself an expert. I don't think I have all the answers to anything. I, uh, I do the work, and and I'm learning along with some of the best. You know, so that's um, I'm happy about that, but. Um, I always, you know, reach out for help as well, especially now because I want to be able to provide my students with the best opportunity and resources and support, right? So, just, just, I don't, I don't. To me, sometimes it seems like common sense, you know, to just kind of have an open heart and 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 approach this work with love. But what's common sense to me might not be common sense to somebody else. So, so that's the best thing I can say is just, just be open-minded, have an open heart, understand that people make mistakes. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, my path could have been very different, uh, but yeah, here I am, you know, like I'm, I'm still trying to do, to do good for myself and my family, for others. So our students are no different. They've made mistakes and, you know, maybe more than one time. But the fact that they're in that classroom or in that office asking to enroll into class, asking for help, um, that says a lot about someone because it's not easy being a college student. You know, it's not easy being a community college student, especially if you're first generation, especially if you've gone through some of these hardships that we've discussed right now. All of this, I don't feel like many counselors or faculty or people that work in higher ed, I don't think they see this, right? Or they don't take the time to care to ask. Maybe they just see another number. Maybe they just see another, you know, money sign. I don't know. But it's about actually taking the time to listen. And that that's how I've had the best experiences with my students where it literally is, thank you for listening. That's it, you know, like I, I appreciate that because a lot of them sometimes get bounced around from office to office or they need help with whether it be technology or just applying to the campus. 
anything that I can do, even if it's not within my contract or role as a counselor, like the other day I helped a student fill out the FAFSA, right? And that's not something that quote, the counselors quote unquote uh, do in our meetings, but I, I still did it because, you know, we had the time and, and, and they needed the help. So it's just about, yeah, taking taking that step, that extra step if, if you care enough to, and if you want to, I mean, obviously I can't tell people how to, to live their lives or, or their careers, but it will make a huge difference for someone. And uh, it's gonna make a big impact. And to me, that's what it is about making a positive impact. And then it goes back, right, to uh, what we talked at the very beginning. That's what it is. It's about, you know, actually walking the walk and not just talking the talk, right? Like being mm -hmm. able to, to provide that. So that will be my humble advice to anybody listening. <laughs> I think that's amazing advice if you ask me. So I'm being mindful of time and I wanted to just, I do this the, like uh, this or that where I ask you kind of two questions or comparison and, and you let me know which one you'd pick. So okay. because I'm always homesick, carne asada burrito or carne asada fries? Carne asada fries for me. Okay, same. Banda or reggaeton? Banda. Banda, yeah. <laughs> Ahi or naspa? Mm. I'm gonna have to go with NASPA on this one just because I feel like I really I've had a lot more growth and development and opportunities through NASPA although I has always been has been great too as well okay. but uh NASPA is what I've been able to to grow a little more I feel okay for those listening not in higher ed AHI is an academic conference and NASPA is more of a student affairs conference okay mm -hmm. next one SDSU or CSU Long Beach SDSU. Our, okay, there you go. Our alma yeah. maters. Yeah. Research or practice? Both are important. But for me, I, I'm a practitioner, or I consider myself a practitioner scholar. So practice first and guided by research. But for me, it's practice. Okay, I like that. I like that. Well, those are all the, the kind of this or that questions that I had. Um, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I, you know, I always appreciate you. And I'm so glad that we've been able to not only just always share space, but we've been able to write together, learn together and kind of grow up together. Right. Like this is I yeah. mean, I think this is kind of just the beginning. Like we have so many more years to go. Um, so who knows where we are? And you mentioned streetwise epistemology. I almost forgot <laughs> that we co-wrote that. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's a, a book chapter that's so supposed to be coming out at some point. Soon, soon. soon. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. been teasing it for like a year now, but um, yeah. when that drops, that's gonna that's gonna be huge because it's it's the first the first framework for formerly incarcerated students. So I'm so honored that we were able to do that piece together. And just a quick story for those listening: mm -hmm. we were at probably our first ahi presenting in. Orange County mm -hmm. and we were practicing our presentation and I just looked at us in the room so it's me you Joe Lewis and Anakani and I looked mm -hmm. at us and I'm like you know what between the four of us we have something here like we have I, I think I said we have like a book chapter here we, we have something yeah and yeah. then that was just me kind of like I don't know how because of course I'm navigating this myself for the first time but we have to we have something going on here that's that's much more than just us sitting in the room. 
And then later when the proposal for this book chapter came out, I was like, this is the, this is the opportunity I was talking about in that, in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it came to fruition. We wrote it, we wrote it like during a lot of the peak of the pandemic. Um, yeah. I think it's in press right now. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm, I'm thrilled. I, whenever I presented it just two days ago um, mm-hmm. as part of my framework. So I am honored to be on that with you. And I'm so excited for when it drops. So wow, Sri epistemology, yeah, coming soon. Yeah, no, 100%. The feeling is mutual, you know, and, and I just want to take the time to thank you once again, not just for this space, but for everything, for, for being a scholar homie from day one. I've always have looked up to you and, and I've seen you like our fearless leader and Joe Lewis as well and Anakani. You're all doctors, you know, or Joe Lewis is soon to be a doctor. And, and and one day I hope to be as well, right? And one day I hope to be there. And, and I just look up to you to all of you and uh, I appreciate you bringing me along on these journeys. A lot of times I do feel like, what am I gonna contribute? Like, what do I know about this? You know, like uh, it's hard sometimes to have that scholar identity, right? And you know, that's a whole nother conversation maybe for another episode, but uh, you have always fostered that feeling that I, I, I bring value to what we do and, and, and I can help make a difference. And at the end of the day, that's, that's why I'm here. So thank you. No, yeah, of course. I absolutely appreciate you. Let me.